Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. It says, furthermore, the Lord spoke to me, saying, I have seen this people, and indeed they are a stiff-necked people. And God says, let me alone, that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, which I will make, and I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. And here I think this is one of the most divine tests that God can give to any servant of God. And certainly he did it here uh, with Moses. He says, you know what? Back away from me, Moses. I'm going to smoke them right now, and I'm going to get this over with, and I'm going to start over with you. I'm going to blot them right out of existence. Their names from under heaven. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today we are reminded of the corruptness of Aaron and the nation of Israel as they worshipped the golden calf. Even though this was an abomination to God, he used it to test Moses' faithfulness. God tells Moses he would destroy his people and start all over again with Moses as a nation greater than this one. However, Moses showed his selflessness and trust in God by praying for his countrymen and pleading with God to spare them. As we learned before, God is a loving and merciful God and will always choose to protect us and direct us to righteousness. Let's follow Pastor Rob with today's study. When I went up to the mountain, Moses is saying, to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant which the Lord made with you. Then I stayed on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, and I neither ate bread nor drank water. Have you ever seen somebody who has fasted for that long? If you ever get an opportunity to see the metamorphosis of any human being that fasts for 40 days. Now, he was in the presence of Almighty God. He says he never ate or drank. A human being normally can't live. You can live without that without 40, for 40 days without food, but you're probably not going to make it without water. But in the presence of God, all things are possible, right? But I, I'm willing to say that uh, I, I've known people who have fasted for 40 days, and they, are, they lose significant weight. <laughs> it, is, it is huge. And, um, and Moses did this more than once, right back to back pretty much. And so I can only imagine that he was as skinny as a rail by the time his, that time had ended. Uh, but then again... We're not sure exactly how, how God sustained him and what he did because that's a factor that we have to add in, right? Because he is in, in the presence of Almighty God. And I imagine the time went by so quick. You know, can you imagine being in the presence of Almighty God? You're the only one. You're the only one that God would speak to face to face. I wonder what that was like for Moses. You know, time just kind of stood still and there he is just totally enamored in his presence, you know. So in verse 10, he says, Then the Lord delivered to me two tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Notice, not some chiseling tool, 
Moses didn't get out his handy dandy, you know, DeWalt drill or, you know, his little jackhammer and, you know, and made out some Hebrew letters. No, this was the finger of God. I would have loved to have seen those tablets because it was probably the most beautiful thing we've ever seen in the middle of granite rock or whatever rock that was to see just the beautiful letters by the finger of God. He could just take his finger and just put it in the rock and it would just obey him. Can you imagine that? It would be the most beautiful writ we've ever seen in our life. He delivered me two tablets of stone written with the finger of God, and on them were all the words which the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain from the midst of fire in the day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of the forty days and forty nights that the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant. Now look with me if you just take a look over in, in, the, in, the, in Exodus. Look over at Exodus chapter 19, and we're just going to take a quick tour of, of this because I think this is kind of interesting. Because in Exodus chapter 19, we see God preparing the people that he was going to come down on a mountain with fire and he was going to meet them. So in uh, chapter 19, uh, beginning in verse 10, you know, the Lord uh, says, prepare the people, consecrate them, for on the third day I'm going to come down. And, and he did. And, and it says... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it goes, you know, that the trumpet gets louder and louder there in verse 19. And, you know, uh, the Lord came down upon the mountain, on top of the mountain. And the Lord called to Moses onto the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people lest they break through to gaze at the Lord and many of them perish. And, and, and then he goes down and finally we get to the Ten Commandments. And this is where God just utters. He, he, he doesn't have it written down. It's just something he utters from the mountain at that time. You know, and God spoke, look, notice in verse, or chapter 20 and verse 1, and God spoke all these words, and then he, he lays out the Ten Commandments. It's not written. It's something that's orally shared at that time. And I'll, I'll put this up on the screen so you can see them, because I think this is a really interesting thing to, to look at. Now, uh, so it's something that he spoke to them. It wasn't written. Now go to Exodus chapter 31, and in verse 18... Again, after the commandments have been given verbally, orally, now in chapter 31, beginning in verse 18, it says, And when he made an end of speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So now he writes down these things for them. And then what happens in the very next chapter, if you turn the page, or in Exodus 32, they make this molten calf and they fall into idolatry, right? And so Moses is up there on the mountain. He comes down and he sees what they're doing. And you'll notice in verse 19 of chapter 32, it says, So it was, as soon as he came near the camp, he saw that the calf uh, that, that they had made and the dancing. And so Moses' anger became so hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands, and he broke them at the foot of the mountain. So here are tablets that God made. I don't know about you, but I, 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 it's kind of interesting. You know, God didn't tell him to break the tablets. But here's this these tablets that God had written. To me, if I had tablets that, written, that God had written on with his own finger, I'd be hanging on to them, putting them in like in a glass you know, enclosure, you know, really thick so nobody could get their mitts on them, right? You know, humidity controlled, temperature controlled. Wow, oh, man, look at that. And then it, it kind of rotates so you can see both sides, you know. You know, it just kind of goes something like that, right? And then charge admission, right? $50 for Christians, $100 for unbelievers. Only kidding. So, notice he breaks these tablets. Now go with me to Exodus chapter 34. And we'll just look at the first. Uh, notice in verse 1. 
It says, And the Lord said to Moses, this is the second time, those tablets had been broken. Chapter 31, verse 1, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Now cut two tablets of stone. You're going to do it this time, Moses. I gave you the two tablets. I want you to cut them just like the ones I gave you originally. And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. And so he goes through this. And so, you know, this is uh, what had happened. What had happened? Go back with me to, to Numbers. We're now in verse uh, 12. So then the Lord said to me, he says, Arise and go down quickly from here and your people whom you have brought. Notice your people. So this is the very first time that, that they had really blown it. And so Moses, again, is just rehearsing this event, their failure to them, because they had, just as we do, we have the propensity to repeat the same things over and over again. And we have to be reminded. We have to be reminded. And why do we have to be reminded? Because we do the same things. You know, how many times have you told your children, honey, don't do this. This is going to happen. When the, when the stove is glowing red hot, don't put your hand on it, honey. And, you, and you're like, oh, why, Mommy? Or why, Daddy? Oh, because it's really hot and it's going to burn you. And what's the first thing you do? You take the, the pot of boiling water with the macaroni and cheese that they wanted for lunch, and you take it over like this, and they run up and they stick their hand right on the hot burner. You've told them several times, but they've got to try it. They've got to see if it's for real, right? So it's unfortunate, but we have to be told over and over again, and God, like a heavenly father, he's not ashamed to remind us. And so he does it here. But notice what Moses, um, or what God says to Moses. He says, arise and go down quickly now, because now he's standing there at the tent, the, the, the tablets. He's rehearsing for them this, this hist- historical event that had happened. God says, go down quickly from here for your people, <laughs> whom you brought out of Egypt, have acted corruptly, and they have turned aside quickly from the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded image. And you know, I, it's interesting, God in his anger was in a, in a sense for temporarily just uh, removing his um, ownership of them and saying, Moses, they're your people. They're yours. They messed up. They're yours. When they're obedient, they're mine. But right now, they're your people. So, But God in his anger, he just totally just put them off and and he said the same thing in Exodus chapter 32 where we, where we were just at when, he was, when this event was being recorded. The Lord said again, for your people whom you've brought out of the, the Egypt have corrupted themselves. Now, it's interesting. When they made this calf, you know, up here on the screen, you can see some uh, images. And this first one, uh, the Egyptians worshipped a deity known as Apis or Hapis with an H. Apis, A-P-I-S or Hapis. H-A-P-I-S, but nobody was really happy, were they? Um, (laughs) Nobody was happy. Uh, But this bull symbolized fertility and sexual strength. And you can see by the bull, I mean, they're just, you know, stocky. And and so they they worship these gods. And and even Israel, while they were in, in, um, in Egypt, you know, they would be tempted to worship these things as well and certainly were exposed to it. You know, and you can see the hieroglyphic there uh, on the side, and, and, and a lot of the hieroglyphics are related to the bull because they worship the bull. And then you can see this other one down here, which is from the Brooklyn Museum, right there in the lower right-hand corner. That was a, a, a bull, a male bull, and they would worship these things. And so it wasn't a surprise when they took this gold off the earrings and they threw it in the fire. And Aaron, I love the way it says, Aaron says, you know, when he's talking to Moses, and Moses is like, what did these people do to you? Well, I gathered all this gold, we threw it in the fire, and out popped the calf. 
I doubt that very much because it says that Aaron took it after he melted the gold and he fashioned it with a tool. It says that he did it, right? But yet, somehow we get amnesia when we're brought before justice, right? Um, just happened. It just kind of popped out. Miracle of miracles, you know, no. So, verse 13 it says, furthermore, the Lord spoke to me, saying, I have seen this people, and indeed they are a stiff-necked people. And God says, let me alone, that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, which I will make, and I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. And here I think this is one of the most divine tests that God can give to any servant of God. And certainly he did it here uh, with Moses. He says, you know what? Back away from me, Moses. I'm going to smoke them right now, and I'm going to get this over with, and I'm going to start over with you. I'm going to blot them right out of existence, their names from under heaven. And you know, there is this blotting out that can occur. You know, turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, uh, verse 5. And, and um, the word blot out in the, in the Hebrew, it literally means to wipe out or to erase. Okay, And I believe, and I, I think it'll become clear tonight, I believe that when every soul is born, that they are written in God's book of life. And then at the very end, when they have refused and have uh, refused God's gift of forgiveness and salvation, that name is blotted out of the book of life. And you think about all the people that were in that book, and already their names have been blotted out. But notice what it says in Revelation chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. He's speaking to the church at Sardis. The, you know, uh, Jesus is dictating this church to the Apostle John. He says, You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And here it is. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot his name from the book of life. I will not blot his name out, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his before his angels. And then if you look over into Revelation chapter 20, and I'm just going to read it for you for the sake of time, but it's speaking of the white throne judgment, that period of time when every soul who has died outside of Christ has died and has, hasn't confessed the Lord Jesus Christ. They will stand at a judgment called the white throne judgment. And there is nobody, no, nobody who goes to this white throne judgment is going to get off scot-free. They will be punished. And this is where God... Uh, allows them. He sentences them. The Bible says, and let me just read it to you, and, and it says in uh, Revelation 20, verse 12, it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. Notice, books were opened. And, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead, those who had died in their sin and were, uh, they, they were not Christians, they were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Does God take a record of everything that's ever been done against him? You better believe it. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his work. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, Gehenna, where the flame burns forever, where the worm never dies, where the fire is never quenched. That is the ultimate state of a person who has rejected Christ. They will spend eternity. And it was originally created for the devil and his angels. It wasn't even created for human beings. That's what Jesus said. So it says in Matthew. It wasn't even created for humans. But we choose to go there because we reject the only salvation that God has given. We reject it. To me, that's the greatest news. It is the good news. It's the gospel. And yet we sometimes walk around like it's the bad news. It's the best news going, folks. 
You mean I can, I can go to heaven because even though I have sinned greatly and I've done all these horrible things, somehow God can forgive me through what Jesus did on the cross, and now instead of me dying and going to hell, he died and paid the punishment for me, and now because I have faith in him, and even he gave me that, now he's going to reward me with glory because I put my faith in him? Yes. <laughs> it's that simple. That is the best news going. You mean I don't have to write the church a big check? No, keep your money. He doesn't care about money. He cares about you. He cares about your soul. You know, sometimes we forget about that. You know, this building is nothing. God with a, a, just a thought can blow away this thing and the foundation would be discovered. <laughs> means nothing to him, but the people who are in it, oh, precious and valuable to him. A chosen generation a nation of priests, a holy nation, a peculiar people, a purchased people. That's what it means. You've been purchased with the blood of Jesus. And notice what it says, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, into Gehenna. In verse 15 he says, So I turned, and I came down from the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire, and the two tables, tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God, and, and you had made for yourselves a molded calf, and you had turned aside quickly from the way which the Lord had commanded you. He, he had commanded you. And, you know, they had broken the commandments. I mean, if you just look at, in Exodus chapter 5, what, what did they break? Well, the very first few commandments. Didn't he say in Exodus chapter 20? He says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me, nor shall you make yourself a carved image, any likeness of that which is in heaven above or, uh, or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. Notice, of those who hate me. Of those who hate me. So this whole idea of generational sin, you can forget about that. Because if you're continuing in your sin, God's going to continue to deal with you regardless of how many generations. You know, if your dad was an alcoholic, then you're an alcoholic, and then you have kids, and your kids are alcoholics. Guess what? God is going to deal with all of them. But aren't you glad? And I was one of those kids in my family line, somewhere along the line, some, by some grace of God, he makes me aware of his, of his presence, makes me aware of his forgiveness of, 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 of Christ. And all of a sudden, the chain is broken. <laughs> and now I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm going to heaven, not because I did anything right, but because I just believed in him. The chain was broken. And now the blessing comes out. And this wasn't, you know, the, these, um, this was a sinful thing that they did. And, and, the, and the language is even more explicit that when they sat down and, and they began to eat and they rose up to play. The Bible says, and this wasn't some kind of you know cute thing. It was it was uh, sexual in nature, we believe, and it was perverse. And here they are dancing before this idol that they had made. In verse seventeen, he goes on. He says, "Then I took the two tablets, and I threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord, as at the first forty days and forty nights." I neither ate bread again. Notice, he didn't eat bread again. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Let me tell you, if you fast for three days, 
you're going to know it. <laughs> we've had, we've had, I've had the um, opportunity to fast with the body. We, did, we used to do this many years ago. We, we'd do it all together, and it, it, was, it was interesting. We learned a lot about ourselves. And, and a lot of times we, we, we kind of do it just as, you know, we, we want to get closer to the Lord, and, and that's all fine and good. You know, and we should, you know, if the Lord calls you to fast, then you do it. You know, you don't have to walk around and make a big deal of it, but, um, but you got to do it right. You know, you got to, you got to make sure you, you know, to get, to get off of a fast and to get on, or to do a fast and get off of it, you got to be careful, right? Because there were people who were fasting for, uh, four or five days. And then as soon as the, we broke the fast, everybody went down to Denny's and is getting a big plate of eggs and hash browns and everything like that. And they got sick. Because they, you know, their bodies just weren't ready for that. You got to start off with like rice and, you know, maybe some broth and, you know, stuff like that. Just slowly introduce your body back to food, you know. But he did this for forty days and forty nights. Again, he does it. He goes, "I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all of your sin which you committed in in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure which which." with which the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me also at that time. I love that. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron and would have destroyed him. And so I prayed for Aaron also at the time. And, you know, you think about the grace that God had given to Aaron. You know, he had given grace to Aaron. You know, God could have wiped him out. He was a high priest. He was supposed to be the example and yet we don't hear of God wiping him out. He was angry, and yet we had this man, Moses, and what a great example he is. And he ought to remind us of, our, of his, his Lord because Jesus was the mediator between God and man. He is our intercessor. And what was happening here is Moses was interceding on behalf of all these people. And I can't help but wonder if God was just seeing, what are you going to do, Moses? Are you going to badmouth them? Or, you know, I mean, think about it. He says, I'm going to wipe these people out and start over with you. And, and the wrong heart would have been, yeah, Lord, let's do it together. I'll sit back and watch. You smoke them. Just, you know, especially that group right there. Yeah, he owes me money, so zap him first, Lord. And, uh, you know, he didn't do that. Moses fell apart. He's like, Lord, if you're going to remove them, he goes, he goes if you're going to do this, then blot out my name. Take me out of the equation. Take me, Lord. And what an example that is. And we see that character, that same attitude in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And no doubt God was revealing something of himself through Moses. Those times on those mountains, those 40 days, two times, 40 days and 40 nights, fasting and, and, and praying and just being at the feet of the Lord and to think about what God was doing in this man. And pretty soon he's like, you know what? My heart is broken because of this, and I'm not happy about it. In fact, he intercedes for them. He loves them. And I love what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2. It says, there is, one, there is only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And this is what the role of a priest is, what the role of an intermediator is. He takes the needs of the people to God and takes the things of God and brings it to the people. And that's exactly what Jesus is. And this very... Uh, character is being worked out in Moses's life and I bet God all the, all the while seeing all this he's just smiling in his heart because he's seeing what he's what he's doing in the life of Moses because Moses didn't have it in him remember he was a man filled with anger that's why he couldn't go into the promised land God told him one time in Exodus 17 he says he told him first just to smite the rock once 
right? He smote the rock with the rod. The water came out. Later on, several months later, they're in the same situation at a different spot. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.